Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning on this nice, cool June morning. So, a few announcements this morning before we start. Uh, this week is Betty Henson's 90th birthday. Happy birthday, Betty. Several weeks ago, we announced in church the uh, Agape Service Project, a packing summer food bags for the for the kids that are on the free and reduced lunches uh, during the school year. Uh, our date uh, that we've signed up to at, <clears throat> to help with is July 19th at uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, we're looking for 35 to 40 volunteers to help pack those food bags. There's going to be a sign-up sheet on the front pew, or you can text your name. I think the announcement's also in the bulletin, so pay attention to that one. Uh, for today only, nursery service during church is in the pre-K Sunday school room, which is directly behind here. The basement nursery is being painted and cleaned for the summer, so and they plan on reopening that next Sunday. A couple uh, more sad announcements this morning. Ruth Kettler passed away uh, Saturday, June 24th. Services will be on Tuesday, June 27th at 11 a.m. At, here at the church. Uh, viewing will be before that from 9 to 11 in the Heritage Room. And also Peg Holsworth died yesterday in Florida. That would be Donna Hoagie's mother. So please keep the Hoagie family and the Kettler family in your prayers. I would now ask everyone to stand and we'll do the call to worship. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart, and I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes. I one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. We'll remain standing and sing hymn number 372, Living for Jesus.
Amen. You may be seated. This time I'd like to invite forward Caroline Grace Miller. Uh, She's the daughter of Marshall and Haley Miller. Uh, They're going to be coming forward and we're going to be baptizing her this morning. I know I've said this before, but uh, infant baptism and, and actually if you guys could stand on this side, thank you. Uh, whether it's baptism or child dedication, this is always one of my favorite things to do in a service. Uh, just the joy that, of seeing a new child and, and parents willing to dedicate them and, and instruct them in the Lord. It's just such a blessing and, and we're just so grateful for, for you guys and the commitment that you're making today and for Caroline and, and, and all that she means to you and of course that what she means to the Lord as well. It's just it's a blessing to be able to do this this morning. Uh, hear these words of Jesus, an invitation and a promise offered to us all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's in obedience to this command the church baptizes believers and their children. Peter, goes, Peter says in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all who the Lord God will call. And so having heard these promises, having heard the importance of baptism and and the promise and commitment you're making today, uh, do you desire that Caroline be baptized? We We do. Praise God. Now, obviously, Caroline's a little too young to uh, make this commitment herself and to make the profession of faith herself. And so in her stead, we ask, I want to ask you the following questions to ensure the faith that you have uh, and witness to that today. So I invite you to respond to these questions. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? We do. do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. We do. do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? We do. God's Will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers? We will. Wonderful. Well, as a statement of, of, of joined faith, we encourage you now to recite the Apostles' Creed with us. This is one of the oldest statements of faith we have, and it's a way for us to all uh, remember that faith and, and as a show of support to, to remember that faith together. So I invite you to read along with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and he was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, you have made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. 
I pray that you would bless and sustain Caroline. Draw her to yourself just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. May she grow to know and love you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for her parents that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their their child to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Marshall and Haley, since you have presented Caroline for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct Caroline by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for her and teach her to pray? And do you promise to nurture her within the body of believers as citizens of God's kingdom? We do. Praise God. Now, Haley and, and Marshall have a lot of friends and family gathered here to it today, um, and, and as well as the support of the church. And so in addition to the promise that they're making, uh, we also ask that you promise to be there for them, to help them, to support them, to encourage them, to help instruct Caroline in the faith as well, uh, to kind of step in and be their support as they raise their daughter. And so uh, I have a promise I'm going to ask you to make as well, and that is printed in your bulletin. Brothers and sisters, as we receive Caroline into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love her and to assist and assist them to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you and to help you know and follow Christ. This is the tricky part. <laughs> Do you think she'll come to me? Yeah. She's pretty content right now. Good morning. <laughs> Caroline Grace, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he watch over you and protect you. In Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together again. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. Thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life if we put our trust in you. We pray for Caroline. Bless and strengthen her daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to her the riches of your love, deepen her faith, keep her from the power of evil, enable her to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May she grow to know, love, and serve you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. We also ask that you look with kindness on Marshall and Haley. Let them always rejoice in the gift you have given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit, that they may bring up Caroline to know you, love you, and serve you and her neighbor through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. As we make this hopefully good transition, <laughs> I encourage you to. Got it. Well, oh, here come a couple more kids. All right. So, how are you guys doing this morning? Good. Well, you know what I brought with me today? I brought with me some cookbooks. You guys have cookbooks at home? No, I don't. You don't have any cookbooks at home? Huh. You have cookbooks at home? What do we do with a cookbook? My mom has a lot of cookbooks. Mom has a lot of cookbooks. I have a lot of cookbooks, too. This happens to be Tori's cookbook from when she was little. And look, 
It has pictures of yummy food in it. Now, why do we need cookbooks? See, I have this cookbook. This is a special cookbook. This is a cookbook my mom made me before we got married, and it has all of the family recipes in it. It's kind of dirty because it's my favorite cookbook. We have other cookbooks in here, and look, I even have the new cookbook that the hey, church just put out. Hey, that's mine. Hey, I got one of those. You have one of these? That is awesome. See, I even have red flags in here. You know what these red flags are for? What? Things to try. But you know what happens sometimes? I forget about them. What good is a cookbook to me if I don't open it up and use it? Huh? Is a cookbook? I need I need to I need to flip through it and, and check out what I all need, don't I? I got pictures in mine too. You have pictures in your cookbook too? That is awesome. Pictures are the best. They make us want to make the things that are in there. Now Your dad has one of these, too? Imagine that. It's the Bible. Your dad being the pastor, I'm kind of glad he has the Bible. Yeah. So, is, is the Bible a recipe book? No. Not. No? That's you think that's silly? Well, I think that the Bible is like a recipe book because a recipe tells us how to make something, right? And the Bible tells us how to live. The Bi- hey, I get to talk for a minute, okay? Um, the Bible tells us how to live, how to, how to treat each other, to be kind, how to help each other, how to say nice things about each other, how to help each other. Those are all things in the Bible, okay? And so if we open the Bible and we read the Bible, but we don't do what it says, Are we really following the recipe? No. We need to do what the Bible says. We need to take what's in here and live the way Jesus would want us to live. Just the way it says in the Bible. Now, you know, when you can't find the recipe you want in the recipe book, nowadays you go to the Internet because it has a lot of recipes too. So I typed in recipes A recipe for Christian living. And guess what? There's a recipe for that. I found it. This is what it says we need to be a good Christian. You ready for my recipe? Okay. One cup of good thoughts. One cup consideration for others. Being kind. One cup of good deeds. Three cups of forgiveness. Two cups of well-beaten faults. Tears of joy, sorrow, and sympathy, and four cups of prayer and faith. And the directions say to mix good thoughts, consideration, kind deeds, forgiveness, and well-beaten faults. Add tears of joy, sorrow, and sympathy for others. Fold in prayer and faith to lighten other ingredients and raise the texture to great heights of Christian living. Pour all into your family life. Bake well with the heat of human kindness. And serve with a smile. That's a pretty cool recipe, isn't it? Yeah. That's something that we can think about. There's a recipe for life. Okay, let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these children and the joy they bring. Thank you, Lord, that 
through the Bible, we have the recipe for life. We just need to follow it. Please be with us this week. Keep us healthy, happy, and safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the battle for western Mosul, Iraqi forces supported by the U.S. are within three-quarters of a square mile of retaking the city. For those in peril on the sea, keep in mind the family and friends of the following seamen lost aboard the USS Fitzgerald DDG-62 last week off the coast of Japan. Yeoman third class, Shingo Alexander Douglas, 25, from Oceanside, California. Gunner's mate second class, No Hernandez, 26, from Westlaco, Texas. Sonar technician third class, Nook T. Trung Huynh, 25, from Oakville, Connecticut. Personnel specialist first class, Xavier Alec Martin, 24, from Halethorpe, Maryland. Fire Controlman First Class, Gary Leo Rahm, Jr., 37, from Elyria, Ohio. Gunner's Mate Seaman, Dakota Kyle Rigsby, 19, from Palmyra, Virginia. Fire Controlman Second Class, Carlos Victor Gonzan Zimbayan, 23, from Chula Vista, California. Thank you, Jay. In light of, in light of that and, and knowing that there are several families in our own community who experienced loss in the past uh, few days, uh, loss of loved ones, uh, just wanted this, this passage came to mind, and I'd just like to read it as we go to prayer together. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning of verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Father, we do pray that you would be a source of comfort for all those, Lord, who have lost loved ones recently. Uh, Lord, even with the, the hope we have in you, even with the, the comfort of our faith, uh, the loss of loved ones is still a difficult thing to deal with. There's still pain and, and, and grief and sorrow there. So I pray, Lord, that in the midst of, of the loss that these families have experienced, the Rediger family, the Hoagie family, as well as the, the Keller family, Lord, that you would be a source of comfort in the midst of those sorrows. Uh, we pray that you would bring them peace at this time through the presence of your Holy Spirit and that you would help them to, to navigate these next days and weeks and months to come. But, Lord, we are also grateful for the hope that we have in you, the hope of eternal life made available through your Son, Jesus Christ, and Lord, I pray that, that through this time that they would all be able to focus on that and put their, and set their eyes on that, Lord. 
Um, Lord, we also lift up these other concerns, Lord, uh, the names that are listed here in our bulletin. Um, some are there for, for weeks and weeks, and, and others are there um, maybe just for the first time. Uh, but, Lord, you know exactly what, what the issues are. You know what is needed. And we, so we lift each one of them up to you, them and their families, and that pray that you would provide exactly what it is they need. Uh, Lord, you know, um, Lord, what the workings of our heart and our mind you know exactly, Lord, uh, what is good for us in the moment, even if we can't see it for ourselves. So we pray that your spirit would move and work in their lives and that you would uh, sustain them, Lord, uh, in this day and in the days to come. We pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Those helping with the offering, I invite you to come forward at this time. Uh, During the offering, we'll be blessed with some special music by Kay Nolte, I believe. There there you are.
The fairest of the angels were not summoned from their throne up in the sky to purchase my pardon, not even the angels could die. The Please be seated. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives God that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Thanks, Jake. Let's pray. Father, once again, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to to come here and to, to worship you together as your body. I pray that you would uh, open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this morning and, and bless this time. In Christ's name, amen. A few years ago, uh, when Allie and I were still living in northeast Ohio and I was associate pastor at our previous church, uh, family gave us uh, an elliptical. If you're familiar with it, it's one of those exercise machines. It's kind of like a treadmill, but not really. Uh, and, and we got it with the intention of using it. You know, of course, that's why you get exercise machines, right? And, and we did. We were pretty good with it for a while. It was sitting in the corner of our living room so we could pop on the TV and, and you know, watch something while we were exercised. And, and it worked out pretty well. But eventually, as most exercise machines do, you know, they, it gradually gets used less and less and less. And, and eventually it became just a really fancy clothes hanger support uh, in the corner of the room and, and was hardly being used at all. And if you think about it, that having an exercise machine and not using it is pretty pointless, isn't it? It's something that we've all probably done at some point in our lives, right? Uh, and, and having an exercise machine and not using it defeats the purpose of it. If you're not actually putting it into use, if you're not actually using it for its intended purpose, there's no point in having it. And I think that there's a similar connection here to what James is talking about in this passage in chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. He's, he's beginning to talk about uh, our proper response to that new life that we've been given in Christ. If you remember verse 18 uh, of this chapter we talked about last week, closed with, with that gift of that, of that new life, that new birth by the word of God that has been given to us. Christ, God through Christ has broken the cycle of sin that we have lost ourselves in. And, and has given us new life. That cycle of sin led to death, but in Christ there is new life. And, and that's made available to us through him and, and made known to us through his word. And so he begins here in verse 19 to talk about the proper response that we should have to that new life. Uh, that, that new life that has been given to us is something that we need to, we need to do something about it, if, it, if that makes sense. And so uh, he begins here with an example in verse nine, verses 19 and 20. He gives us the example of, of being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, and, and the implied message here is that our natural tendency is to be uh, quick to speak, slow to listen, and quick to become angry, right? That's our natural tendency as human beings, is, is to react in that way. When there's something that upsets us, when there's an argument or disagreement, our natural tendency is to, is to, is to not uh, listen and is to, to speak up even before our mind has a chance to catch up and process what's going on, right? That's our natural tendency. And so what he's alluding to here is that through that new birth, through the new life that we've been given in Christ, a change should take place. Not just in our thoughts, right? Not just in our hearts, but in our behavior and our actions as well. And so instead of being the kind of person who, who quickly lashes out and lets their anger get the best of them, a person who is a follower of Christ and, and a new creation in him should be the opposite of that. We should be slow to speak and, and quick to listen. 
and slow to become angry. You see, our entire lives, including our emotions, even that anger that can sometimes get the better of us, our entire lives must be transformed and brought in line with God's will. It says that this kind of action, if we continue to to live as we did before, it doesn't produce the kind of righteousness that God desires. And this righteousness that he's talking about isn't the gift of righteousness that he gives us in Christ. That's something we can't earn for ourselves, right? That's something that Christ has done for us on the cross. But the righteousness that he's talking about here is the righteousness of, of doing what God desires us to do. Right, living the way that God desires for us to live. And that's something that we, we continue to struggle with. We continue to have to, to, to fight with that temptation to, to go back to our old way of living for the rest of our lives. Right, but, but through that new birth, by being enabled by God's Holy Spirit, we can begin to, to live a new kind of life. We can begin to live lives that are more in line with God's will. And so it's only when we allow God's Word and His Holy Spirit to transform Every aspect of our lives, including something as seemingly trivial as our speech and emotions, it's at that point that we'll be able to live the kind of life that he desires. And so he uses this example of speech, the the being quick to listen and and slow to speak, as an example of what a transformed life in Christ looks like. Um, And and honestly, in those two verses, there's a whole sermon in and of itself uh, that that we don't really have time for today. Um, Thankfully, the the few things that he mentions here in this passage, including um, controlling our tongue and our speech, as well as helping the helpless and and avoiding uh, avoiding worldliness, those are topics that he will come back to later in the letter. He's kind of setting the stage for what he's going to talk about throughout the rest of the letter. So we'll have time to, to really dig into those topics later. Uh, but for now, um, it's just good to know that James is using those as examples of what that sort of transformed life should look like, what that new life in Christ should look like. When we choose to follow him, when we put our trust in him, it's more than just a decision we make in our mind. It's more than just an intellectual kind of decision, but it's something that should impact every aspect of who we are, including our emotions, and as he's going to get to, including how we behave and how we act. It's a transformation that takes place over our entire selves. And he uses here speech as, as one example of that. So how does that transformation take place? How do we go from, from being lost in that cycle of sin that we talked about last week to being transformed uh, and, and made new in, in, in Christ? Well, it takes place by, by not just hearing, but also obeying God's word. Those who have been given new birth, as it says in verse 18, must excuse me, by the word of God, must also accept it and obey it. He says here that we must get rid of, uh, in verse 21, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Uh, this idea of getting rid of, it's, it's the picture of removing clothing. It's a picture of taking off a, a dirty, grungy, nasty set of clothes and putting on something new. Um, I spent, when I was growing up, I was a Boy Scout and spent time at like football camp and different things like that. And I just remember by the end of the week, I think my parents would rather have burned the clothes than washed them, right? Like that kind of just nasty, like grungy. That's the image that he has here. He's saying we need to get rid of that. The sin in our lives is like those dirty, nasty, grungy clothes that, that you have. Take those off and get rid of them. That's the image that James is using here. And it says that it's that moral filth is so prevalent. It's, it's, it's the idea that removing sin is like fighting an enemy that takes on many forms. 
seems like in our lives, I don't know about you, but it seems like every time we knock down one sin, there's more to, to step up and take its place. It's an ongoing fight. It's an ongoing struggle that we will deal with for the rest of our lives. But we are encouraged to, to set those things aside, to remove them, and instead accept the word that has been planted in you. Notice here, it says that it was planted in you. It's not something that every person has simply by nature, but it takes up residence in the believer when we choose to trust Christ. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit living in us. It's, it's God's law written on our hearts, as it talks about in Jeremiah 31. Um, it's, it's that that we must then uh, receive, accept, and then respond to. That's what James is trying to get us to understand here. That word has been given to us, that new life in Christ has been given to us, but then we must humbly accept it, which means to allow the word, willingly allow it, to influence every part of our life. We need to allow it to make a difference in us. You see, if we don't allow it, if we don't obey it, if we don't let it transform our lives, have we really received it or accepted it in the first place? If you believe something to be true, if you believe it with all of your heart, it's going to impact how you live. And so, conversely, right, if, we, if, if God's word has no impact on our lives, if it doesn't change how we live and how we think and how we react to situations, has it really, have we really accepted in the first place? Do you see where James is going with us? I think it's an important question for us to ask ourselves because what James is teaching us here and what we see really throughout all of Scripture is that to accept God's Word, to receive it into our lives, is to do it. It's to live it out. It's to allow it to make such an impact in your life that you are changed because of it. And honestly, that's an ongoing process, right? That's not just a one-time thing like, okay, I'm, my old self was gone, my new self has come, now, now I'm perfect, right? That, that's not true, right? That doesn't happen for any one of us. It's an ongoing process that, we, that God continues to work in our lives from, from the day we give our lives to Christ to the day that we are, are gone from this world. But it's something that we need to, to strive for and to work towards with the help of the Holy Spirit. See, there's a difference between listening to God's word and only listening to it. Of course, we need to hear the word. We need to study it. We need to meditate on it. We need to think about its meaning and its application, but we also need to obey it. Right? There's that step there. We often fall short of that. Right? And I know I have in my life. We fall short. We, we study it. We read God's word. We take our Bibles out and read our chapter of the day. Right? But then we close our Bibles, put it back on the shelf, and go on our day as if nothing has changed. If that's all we're doing, it's like God's word is going in one ear and out the other. Instead, we need to take God's word, we need to read it and study it and think about it, and then apply it to our lives. We need to take that step of, of saying, if this is true, what does it mean for me? If God's word is true, if what I just read or what we just talked about is true, how should that impact my life? And when you take that step, that leads to that action. It leads to change that takes place. Romans 2.13, Paul writes, for, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but as the, it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. There's this sense of not just hearing it, but obeying it as well. That's important. Some of us have selective hearing, don't we? Right? We go through life and we, we hear only what we want to hear. And we do that with God's word too. Maybe we're confronted with some truth. We realize that we're not living the way we should or, or there's something about our character that needs to be, be changed to be more in line with God's, will, God's character. 
and we just don't want to deal with it. So we just kind of ignore it, right? We have selective hearing when it comes to God's word. But, but instead, we need to receive it and obey it. And to demonstrate that, uh, James talks about this, this analogy of the mirror. And the main point here is that we need to respond to what we see in the reflection. Right? The one who, who looks in the mirror and sees what they look like and then, and then doesn't do anything about it is a fool. Right? None of you would want to see what I look like this morning if I just rolled out of bed and, and walked up here on stage. Right? Good thing we're on the radio and not on TV if that were the case. Because none of you would want to see that. Right? It would be absurd for me to roll out of bed, look in the mirror and see my crazy hair and, and, and all of that and then do nothing about it and just show up here to church this morning. Right? In the same way, though, we do that with God's Word, don't we? We read it, we study it, we listen, we come to church on Sunday, we listen to sermons, maybe you're even part of a Bible study or you do your own daily devotions. But then we, we read it, we take it in, but then we do nothing in response to it. That's just as foolish. That's even more foolish, right? You guys can forgive some messy hair, but, but when, we, when we don't respond to God's Word in the way He desires, it's, it's like we're not even listening in the first place, right? It's, it's going in one ear and out the other. Instead, James says we need to look intently into that perfect law that gives freedom and not forget but respond to it. Not forget what it says but obey it. Right? That's what is really important. You know, God's Word, is, the Bible is like this mirror that we have for us. It, it helps us to see who God really is. And in comparison, it helps us to see you know, how we in, in different ways fall short of His glory. And so we need to, we, as we read it, as we're confronted with those truths, we need to do something about it. We need to respond with the help of God's Holy Spirit and His Word planted in our hearts. We need to respond faithfully to what God reveals about Himself and His Word. It's the perfect law that gives freedom because it reminds us that there is a standard that God desires that we live up to. And the truth is that none of us can and none of us ever will. But thankfully, there is someone who has, and that's Jesus Christ. Right? He, he lived the life we couldn't live. He took on the punishment that we deserved in order to set us free. And so now we, we are free to obey without the, the fear of guilt or the fear of punishment hanging over us. We're free to obey as we were intended to in the first place because Christ has fulfilled the law on our behalf. In Matthew chapter 5, when he was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, he said that he has not come to abolish the law or the prophets. He has, come, uh, he has not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He has not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. That means he hasn't gotten rid of God's word. He hasn't gotten rid of the standard that God has placed for us. But yet he fulfilled it on our behalf. There's a song I heard just recently. It talked about how we, have been, we, have, we are guilty, but we have been declared free. That's what the truth of God's words tells us. We are sinners in need of a Savior, but He has paid the price for us. And that enables us then to respond positively and to live for Christ even today. And so that's what God desires for us. He desires for us to respond positively and faithfully to His Word. And He gives us three examples here at the end of the passage of how we can do that. As I mentioned, we're, there's, there's not time today, but we will in the next weeks and a couple months be able to dig into these ideas deeper. But He says, uh, that if we respond positively to his word, if we, if we really obey it and not just listen to it, uh, there are certain things that will take place in our lives. We'll be able to control our tongue. We'll be called to help the helpless. And we'll be called to avoid worldliness. You see, true religion, James says, is, is lifelong obedience to God. And it's about caring for the things that God cares for. It's about being passionate for the things that God is passionate for. 
And we obey because we've been saved. We don't say, we don't obey in order to be saved. Right? Our, our obedience is a response to what Christ has already done for us. And if you think about it, it makes sense. You know, someone who has received something and has such immense gratitude for, for what they've been given often responds by, by a changed life, um, or a transformed life. I think an obvious example, I've, I've volunteered at several different soup kitchens when I was in, you know, when I was younger and youth group and then different times uh, during my ministry at different soup kitchens. And it seems like more often than not, a lot of the people that work in soup kitchens are people that have received help from the soup kitchen sometime in the past. And they were so grateful for the help that they received. They were so grateful for, for someone stepping in and, and taking care of them when they couldn't help themselves that they then give back and, and do the same for others. That's a common pattern you see in, in ministries like that. In the same way, we as, as Christians should be so grateful for what Christ has done for us on the cross, so grateful for what we learn about his love for us in his word, that we should then respond by being willing to obey it. We should respond with a, with a grateful heart and a thankful heart with faithful obedience. And so in closing, how do, how do we do that? How can we look into God's word, take a look into that mirror, and respond the way God desires for us to respond? First of all, we need to actually take time to look in the mirror. Right? We need to take time to actually and spend in God's word. Spend time learning about who God is and what he has done for us and how we then can respond to who God is. Right? God's word is primarily about him. It's not about us. But as we read about him, as we learn about him, we can learn how to respond to be more in line with his character and his will. And nothing about our appearance will ever change. Nothing about our lives will ever change if we don't ever take the time to look into that mirror. But then once we look into the mirror, we need to ask ourselves, if this is true, if what we see in God's word is true, what implications does it have for my life? If God is the God of reconciliation, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and he's a God who desires our relationships with him and with others to be restored and to be made new, then I should probably avoid things that harm those relationships. And I should work to mend those relationships in my life that are broken. If God is holy and cannot tolerate sin, then I should try, with the help of the Holy Spirit, enabled by the Holy Spirit, to remove sinful patterns from my life and to pursue holiness and righteousness in my life. You see how that, how that works? We should respond to what we learn and what we see about God in his word. That's what James is calling us to do. And, and throughout the rest of the letter, that's, that's the, the pattern that he's setting up here. He's, as we talk about these different, um, for example, these three topics that he mentioned here, as they come up later in the letter, it's going to be about responding to what we learn in God's word and responding to who God is in our, in our everyday lives. Not just in our thoughts, not just in our hearts, but with our actions as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the, the gift of your word. Thank you that it does reveal to us who you are and how we, rela- how we, how we should relate to you. Help us, Lord, to look into that mirror that, that, re- that shows us that and respond positively, respond faithfully to what you reveal to us. Lord, help us not to be like those who just simply listen and have it go in one ear and out the other, but help us to be a person, who, a group of people that respond faithfully with obedience. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for, for communion, I invite you to stand and sing the first three verses of Take My Life and Let It Be, number 379 in your blue hymnals.
Many may be seated. Communion is a great time to to reflect on God's word, to reflect on the truth of of what He's done for us through Christ and and the kind of life He desires for us to live. It's a reminder that none of us are perfect, that none of us will live up to that expectation. Right? But thankfully there is one who has, and that's Jesus Christ who has died and rose again for us. And so as the, as the plates are going around, as the bread and the cup is being passed, I encourage you to think about that. Think about how, how our lives often fall short of what God desires for us. That our lives are often not the reflection we desire to see in that mirror. What God desires to see. But yet his grace and his mercy has given us new life. That even though we are sinners, he died for us. And that's the love that he has shown us. So take time to reflect. Take time to reflect on that truth. Thanking God that he, he showed us his love through Christ and asking God how we can now move forward, how we can now live our lives more in line with his will. What things need to be changed, what things need to be, to be removed from our lives in order to, to better please and honor him. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you to do those things because it's not something we can do on our own. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, that his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection uh, ensures us of eternal life. Lord, help us each moment to put our trust in you. Lord, help us to to turn away from our sins, turn away from those things that that are not pleasing to you, and turn towards the new life that you have offered us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would enable us to do that today and every day. As, as we reflect on the, on the truth of your word, on, on the sacrifice that you made for us, Lord, help us, help us to, to be sorry for our sins. Help us to, to turn away from those things and turn towards you. In Christ we pray. Amen. For we see from the Lord what we also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All you who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Messiah, I invite you to take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
body of Christ, which is broken for you. Take and eat, knowing that he died for you.